Welcome to Encounter Mercy. I'm Vince, and I have with me Father Andy. How's it going, Father? Pretty good in you, Vince. Uh, doing great, actually. We had a uh, we had our baby last week, as you know, That's obviously. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. We so we have now have our third child, a little girl, and uh, it was a wonderful time. So just going just a little bit crazy in your house right now, and uh, I'm sure it will be for several years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Especially now you are, you and your poor son are outnumbered, aren't you? Yeah. Yep. Now yeah, three girls to, to two boys. So yeah, we'll see what happens there. We're going to have to uh, spend a little more time together, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Doing yeah, man things. Have, to, have some manly things to do. So the I wanted to talk about baptism today because we're starting to think about... Um, baptism, you know, for our, our new daughter, obviously she's going to be baptized. And, um, that topic just kind of came up and I don't think we've covered it. So today we're going to go and talk about baptism. So, um, I guess to really get started here, father, what is baptism? What does the catechism say about baptism? So the catechism, when we talk about the, uh, baptism, it's going to speak on, um, the understanding of baptism all the way from the old Testament understanding, um, because this isn't something that is new to Christianity. This is something that we can see the remnants of in the old Testament and the Hebrews. Um, we can also, uh, see it in the, um, understanding of the actual etymology of the word, because that's important. Um, so it's going to be uh, a very important um, aspect of our faith that Christ took from the, a worldly understanding and then sort of imprinted a truth upon it for our Catholic faith. And so looking just solely at the word uh, baptize, um, in when we look at the word uh, the Greek word bapto or baptize or uh, it means to, wash or immerse. And so often we think about um, baptism with adults in the Protestant churches where it's more common to do baptism by immersion, whereas uh, we don't really do that much in the Catholic church. But immersion, you know, going fully into the water, uh, there's there's a good Protestant song, uh, as I went down by the water to pray. Um, you know, they talk about in that that good... Christian uh, hymn about baptism and going into the water and being washed and renewed. So you mentioned that the Jews used baptism. So can you go into uh, why and how? I mean, if that was before Christ, you know, what, what was that accomplishing? Was that just washing away sin? Uh, I, I think that's how I remember it. Or maybe you can go into a little bit more detail on that. Let's, uh, yeah. And so let's look at this in the understanding of um, what happens at baptism, because I think then it's going to enlighten everyone to understand more about why we find such importance with this sacrament now as a Christian. But like you said, it does show up um, not so much um, being called baptism, but the importance of the cleansing aspect of water. So of course we know that there is water used in baptism. It's the uh, chief, um, you know, part of baptism is the pouring on of or sprinkling with the water um, three times. But the idea of water really starts to show forth from the very beginning of creation, and so we have here 
um, in the liturgy of the Easter Vigil. And by the way, if anybody wants to just follow along, I'm going to read a little bit about, about this out of the catechism and sort of try to explain it because the catechism does such a lovely job of, of telling us the faith here. Here from the catechism in 1217, in the liturgy of the Easter Vigil, during the blessing of the baptismal water, the church solemnly commemorates the great events in salvation history already prefigured in the mystery of baptism. Okay, so if you go to the Easter Vigil this year, let's let's hope and pray we have an Easter Vigil. Um, if you go to the Easter Vigil, you will experience and hear the blessing of the water, which is a very important blessing. It, it's very long. And so we hear in this blessing, um, the priest uh, speaking to God, he says, Father, you give us grace through sacramental signs, which tell us of the wonders of your unseen power. In baptism, we use your gift of water, which you have made a rich symbol of the grace you give us in this sacrament. Okay, so since the very beginning of the world, water was a very important part, right? So when we're looking into uh, if life is in other planets or life is outside of Earth, what's the number one thing they're looking for? Well, they're looking for water because water shows forth signs of life. And without this water, we don't have life. But what happens if there's too much water? You know, talking like in a few moments here, we're going to talk about Noah's Ark. What happened in that? Well, too much water and it killed everybody. So water has the ability to bring forth life, but it also has the ability to extinguish life. So we hear as the uh, blessing continues, we hear from sacred scripture. As the very dawn of creation, your spirit breathed on the waters, making them the wellspring of all holiness. In the waters of the great flood, you made the sign of, wa of the waters of baptism that make an end of sin and a new beginning of goodness. So if we remember the story of Noah, why is it that God flooded the earth? You remember, Vince? Because there were no more righteous people on earth except for Noah. Exactly. And so Noah and his family were the only righteous ones that God found. So the water of the great flood, like I said... Water can bring about life. We're looking for water on other planets to see if there's life there. But water can also end something and bring forth new life again. So, you know, in death, there is life, right? It's transition from one form of life to another. And so with the waters of the great flood, the flood of Noah, uh, in the time of Noah, it ended life, but it also purified and cleansed the earth so that new life could come forth from it. And so we have this um, symbolization of water springing up from the earth and this, this springing up forth from, coming up forth from, you know, it, it has, shows up a lot, right? Because we see this water of the sea as a symbol of death. It can also represent the mystery of the cross because the death of Christ, you know, we talk about in the Christian understanding of the baptism, the death to sin then brings forth the uh, life of the new Christianized person. And so this new life is focused on, uh, you know, on, not on the sin of the past life anymore. It's a forgiveness of sin, but it focuses more so on the new life that is coming forth from it. So in the Old Testament, 
And in the life of the Jewish people, they had this understanding of baptism because we also hear about it when it comes time for um, Jesus to be baptized. What did Jesus do? He went to see his cousin, John the Baptist, at the Jordan. And John was baptizing. And so he said, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me that baptizes you with the Spirit. There's the big difference. There's a big difference. John was doing a baptism of repentance, whereas Christ gives us a baptism of new life. And so with this new life, we have the salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. So our Lord, who voluntarily submitted himself to the baptism of John, which was intended for sinners, Jesus, remember, has no sin, but he did this in order to fulfill all righteousness. And his gesture is a manifestation of his self-emptying. The spirit who had hovered over the waters of the first creation descended then upon Christ as a prelude of the new creation. And the father revealed Jesus as his beloved son. And so we see in this new baptism, a baptism of the spirit, we are given a special grace and blessing to enter into this mystery. So it's not just no longer, you know, it's no longer the baptism um, recognizing that we are sinful people, but rather it's a baptism that forgives us of our sins and then commissions us to go forth proclaiming the good news. Okay. So I have a couple questions based on what you just said there. Um, And I guess one is, is baptism necessary for salvation? And the second one is, if baptism is washing away sins, then why does the Catholic Church baptize infants? So when we are talking about um, baptism of infants, the thing to remember is that baptism washes away. Yes, if we're talking about uh, anybody, for for instance, like, okay, baptism. it washes away the sins of the um, older person as well as the infant. But we're also recognizing the ba- that baptism washes away the original sin, original sin. So our original fall from grace, the fact that we um, as human beings, not in our own doing, but by the fact that we continue to participate in this Uh, we are humans, right? There's nothing else that can change that. You and I are humans. Um, When you, when your wife gave birth to your child, she gave birth to a human, not to an alien or or something else, right? Your poor child doesn't have green tentacles, right? Uh, Not that we've seen so far. Okay, good. Yeah. I would be worried. I'd be worried. So, you know, we are a part of the human race and the human race fell from God's grace. And so that is the original sin. And so the baptism that your child will receive and your children have received and that you and I have both received is one that uh, removes the stain of original sin. And so with that, um, it is a part of our understanding that it is necessary for salvation because that original sin that you and I have cannot be wiped away except for in baptism. But we also have to understand that there's three types of baptism. And this might be jumping the gun a little bit, but it's important because um, we need to remember this. Uh, There's baptism by water, which is what we normally do. There's baptism by desire. And then there's baptism by blood. The baptism by water is the normal understanding of our baptism. That You bring your child to the church. 
or in case of danger, the child is baptized uh, follow, following the correct form, which is I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit with the sprinkling of water or pouring of water on the head three times. The uh, baptism by desire is the simple fact that someone who is unable to be baptized for whatever reason wants in their heart more than anything to be baptized will receive upon their death baptism because of their uh, strong desire for baptism. Um, and then the th third and final form is baptism by blood. Anybody that is unbaptized but dies for the faith is automatically baptized in the blood and proclaimed a martyr for the faith. Um, there's We talked about this before, but I'd like to bring it up again, is the um, Coptic martyrs that were recently martyred in our church within the last 10 years. I can't remember the exact date, but you and I talked about it in yeah. one of our previous yeah. episodes. Um there was one person, if you look at the icon, it's fascinating. I, I cannot, iconography is a beautiful art and has so much meaning. Um, all of the Christians who were martyred were um, displayed in light skin. But there was one person among them who was not a Christian before his martyrdom, but was martyred with them and did so um, and willingly submitted to his martyrdom. He was baptized by blood, but he, the way we signify that um, is that he is shown in darker skin, right? I don't want to say white and black because it, it's not that. It's lighter skin versus darker skin. It's, we're not looking at white versus black in this situation because what it's trying to do, what the iconography is doing, and I hope someday we can get uh, someone in to talk on this because it's such an interesting topic. Um, Iconography is trying to symbolize the difference between a baptized believer and an unbaptized believer, as well as an unbaptized non-believer, which is extremely important because this gentleman um, isn't shown as an unbaptized non-believer. He's shown as an unbaptized believer, um, whereas the martyr or the the ones doing the martyring. Uh, you know, he, they're shown as something completely different. So it's important. It's important that we see that. But the point is, is that he received his baptism by blood because he went to his death um, willing to die for the faith that he had not been uh, baptized into. So with those three types of baptism, the importance of baptism is that it brings about yours and mine salvation because it removes from us the stain of original sin. Makes sense. So is baptism necessary for salvation? Can I, what? can one get into heaven without being baptized? Like I said, no, you have to be baptized to get into heaven. But like I said as well, with the three types of baptism, either baptism by uh, normal baptism in a church with water, baptism by desire, or baptism by um, uh, blood. There are, you know, the, the church creates ways to sort of help people along, right? It doesn't ever um, say that, no, automatically everybody's going to hell if they're not baptized, because we don't know what's going on in God's world. We don't know what's going on in God's uh, divine plan and divine mind. Um, so the, 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 Baptism by desire kind of covers a lot of our bases. Yeah, I guess so nor, nor do we, yeah, nor do we understand what happens to somebody at the the very last moments of their life where they could be exactly. baptized by desire. Absolutely. Exactly. 
So when it comes time for baptism, you're, uh, what's going to happen is you're going to bring your daughter into the church and um, we're going to have a little celebration where we might, uh, depending on if Father John, what Father John does, um, it will be a baptism where uh, you would hear from scripture, right? You as parents are going to be undergoing the interrogation, it's called, because um, you and the godparents are going to be the ones that are responsible for raising your child in the faith. And so um, the priest will ask, Father John Dedish will ask you, uh, what is it that you ask of the church? And so the response is that you ask for baptism. And he'll say, now, here's the deal. You have to raise your daughter in the faith. And uh, godparents, you have to assist the parents in raising their daughter in the faith. Are you willing to undertake that? Yes, we are. Uh, um, What's Remind me of your daughter's new first name? We're not going to share that on here. Uh, Okay, so I'll just say Susie Q. Susie Q, the church recognizes you and accepts you as a member of her uh, being. And so we now make a sign of a cross on you. Okay, this is important. This is the first time that the sign of the cross is placed on the child's head in a uh, celebratory action. And it's important because she's now imparted with the um, image of our faith. And so with the image of our faith and the reminder of the death that she's about to undergo, she is brought into the church. So she undergoes this first phase of her uh, Christian initiation as a catechumen. And there's a special anointing with that. So we anoint the child with the oil of the catechumen. And we un- we hear from sacred scripture. And then we go and we pro- uh, ask for the saints to... Uh, pray for us. So we're going to have a litany of saints. And so uh, you have the litany of saints. And then after the litany of saints, there's a long prayer that the priest will pray. There is a prayer of exorcism. uh, Whereas then after this exorcism, we finally get to the baptism. And that's actually where we are now at that point is the baptism. And this is the part that I always say to the kids. All right, this is what you want. This is what you're here for. Come see, come closer. You know, we actually baptize. Susie Q, I baptize you, the priest says, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. After the baptism, there's an anointing with chrism, the sacred chrism on the crown of the head, uh, anointing priest, prophet, and king. And then finally, the uh, giving of the white garment, as well as the candle, which symbolizes to us of that continued celebration of the Easter that we uh, are experiencing. So it's it's important uh, bapt- uh, excuse me, it's an important sacrament of our faith and um, that what that we uh, continue to celebrate to this day because of how important it is in our church. So I want to talk a little bit about godparents and their role yeah. and how that you, you know, a lot of people just pick their best friend or, right. you know, or a family member or whatever, just because they feel pressured to. And oftentimes that person is not uh, practicing in the faith. And it's, it's almost like you're doing a disservice, uh, to your child. Absolutely. You know, by doing that, you you want someone who is going to step in and help raise in the faith. So if something happened to me, the godparent of my daughter needs to step in and, and actually raise them in the faith. So if I stop going to church and I stop taking my kid to church, you know, the godparent's supposed to step in there and say, okay, 
I know, you know what you're going to do your own thing. That's fine. But I made this promise to raise this child in the faith. So I'm taking her to church and I'll be doing that every Sunday. Um, and so when you're thinking about godparents, it's really, really important that you find someone who is, who is practicing and someone who is, uh, always, did you freeze? No, I'm here. Oh, you just stopped moving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving that in there. We have a, a, a video that we just, we just look at each other. A little, behind, a little bit behind the scenes is that we're doing this during the day and, um, which is not normal for us. And it means that business continues on. And I got a text message and it showed up on my TV screen, which is easier for me to read. And I'm reading it, trying to under- decipher. It's actually about baptism, funny enough. Oh, funny. Someone's wondering if they can have their child baptized on a specific day at a specific time. And I'm just reading it now. So don't mind okay. me. You just stop moving. So I'm it looked like it for us. All right. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of what I, what I meant about uh, godparents. And so a lot of people also think that, well, if I die, then my godparent automatically has to raise my child. Well, that's, that's not... That's not true at all. It's not the, the state takes care of all that, whatever is in your will uh, for next of kin and all that. But when it comes to godparents, their sole responsibility is to make sure that uh, your child goes to heaven, that their 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 godson or goddaughter uh, gets to heaven, and and that's something that that's a big that's that's more of a burden than than you would normally think. Is you know, absolutely it, it can be very difficult as an adult. Uh, to talk to a child about faith, especially in their teen years, whenever they're rebelling and all, and all that stuff. So that's a really good, um, a good time when the, when the kid is not listening to their parents cause they're a teenager and they know better, right. That maybe they can, if they've had a good relationship with their godparent their whole entire life, that they can step in there and, and really, you know, help, you know, in those teenage years, especially leading up to confirmation. Yes. 100%. And I would also say that, um, Parents listening, when you pick your godparent uh, for your child, um, now if this is something you've already done in the past and, you know, it is what it is, but be serious when you're thinking about your godparent, for the parent for the, you know, godparent for your child, be very serious about who you're picking. Like Vince said, make it someone that is going to be a part of your child's life first off. Like that's important. This person should be known by your child. This person should be respected by your child and loved by your child. We all understand that things change in lives. We get that. But make this child um, aware of who their godparent is and make sure that this godparent is someone who practices their faith. I can't tell you how often I get told, well, you know, they go to church sometimes or and that's just I'm not going to fight the matter. It's not worth the fight because I just want to get this child baptized because of the importance of the sacrament too. But in the same breath, it's very disheartening to hear about a child who is baptized um, and, and neither the parents nor the godparents really care because it often seems like it's magic, right? It often seems like the family thinks that this is a magical thing that's going to happen when we, when we try to, you know, deal with this and it's magical, we, we got a problem. We got a real problem because it's not magic. There's nothing magical about this. There is true, sincere, uh, you know, faith that is going on. And so if we just diminish this sacrament to magic, we are truly ignoring the power of God in our lives. And so picking someone that is actually going to be a part of your child's life, as well as help you as a parent 
raise your child in the faith. It's not entirely up to one or the other. It's it's a communal thing. But you as a parent have such an important, important part of the um, role in your child's life. And, and going back to godparents, the, the child would be better served if you are someone they can look to towards as an example to how to live out their faith rather than the person who sends a $50 bill in a, a birthday card every year uh, and never talks to them otherwise. Exactly. Or if you do talk to them, what is it that you're talking to them about? You know, I, I'm grateful for my godparents. I love them dearly. Um, one is my aunt and the other is my uncle on opposite sides of the family. But, um, you know, they're someone that I can talk faith with. You know, at times, you know, we all have moments when we can't talk with someone because we're angry at them or something or other. Um, but in the same breath, it, they are someone that I can talk faith with. And my uncle, who is my godfather, um, I think at one point had considered priesthood for his life, but uh, didn't. But the point is that, you know, I can go and talk to him about faith. We might disagree, which we do, because I, I stand for the church 100%. Um, and, you know, as I've grown, I've learned that. But the point is that it should be someone that uh, the child can speak to about their faith in addition to mom and dad, right? It shouldn't just be, uh, like you said, someone who just gives a $5 bill or $50 bill in the gift once a year or whatever it might be. But it's someone that is there to show the truth of the faith as well as be a... Um, like a confidant in the faith that someone can go to and talk to about the faith. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess one more uh, question before we wrap it up here. And that is in an emergency situation, if there is no priest available, is it okay for anybody else to baptize somebody? The church teaches that in any emergency situation, anyone can baptize and so the important thing here to remember is you have to have water. So your Coca-Cola is not going to count. Your Fanta is not going to count. It has to be water, H2O. And it has to be water that you can drink. Okay. And the important thing is, is that anyone can baptize in an emergency. That's key. So anyone who baptizes in an emergency needs to have the mind of the church. That's one of the, that's kind of, uh, what it says. And having the mind of the church um, means that using the Trinitarian baptismal formula. And it it's that even a non-baptized person can baptize as long as they intend to baptize. So like, let's say um, you you come along and uh, someone who isn't baptized is baptized as someone else. All they have to do is say, I, I baptize you whoever the person is, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, having um, poured or sprinkled the water on the person. You have to have those two things. And it's very important. It's, that, it's very important. The wording is important. There, Yeah. You know, as uh, I think we covered it a couple months ago, there was a priest who was looking at his baptismal video uh, when he was baptized as, a, as an infant, and the deacon said, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And that's invalid. And so it's, invalid. it must be I I baptize you. Right. Well, and the other interesting thing about this is um, 
it's not just like that evil mean bishop is doing this to his priest. No, no, the holy the holy father, the holy father, Pope Francis, is the one that came in and said, no, 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 invalid, invalid. Therefore, we have to redo all of this. So, no, it matters. We the deacon, the priest, and the bishop coming with uh, ordination to the diaconate can um, baptize in the fullness of the church. What I mean by that is the reception of the child into the church, the anointing with the two oils, the fullness of the sacrament celebration is done with that child by a deacon, a priest, or a bishop. And it has to be, it has to be 100% to make it valid and licit. The baptism has to be, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Without that, we have a problem. And so we need to make sure that we are um, paying attention to that. It's not just some stupid little um, rule that we're following because we love our rules. No, no, no. It has an important role in our church and in our faith. All right. Well, well, folks, that's going to be it for this week. We hope you enjoyed our episode on baptism. And real quick before we end, I just want to give a, uh, a shout out to Gabriella Ricicci, who reached out to us on uh, Facebook Messenger um, with a whole lot of a whole bunch of really nice words about our podcast. And she's been listening uh, to all of our episodes going back. So um, thank you, Gabriella. And I hope that uh, um, other people are also getting a lot out of out of this, uh, this show. So with that being said, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already done so, uh, go over to our website, encountermercy.com and like us on all of our social medias. You can find us just about everywhere except for TikTok. We are not there yet. Uh, but maybe father Andy wants to do a little bit of dancing so we nope, can, we can do I that. I refuse. <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.